of George Knapp listening to That UFO Podcast and having one hell of a good time. That UFO Podcast is powered by Zencaster. Zencaster is one of the world's leading platforms for recording and hosting podcasts. The open beta strives to put the power of studio quality remote video production into the hands of anyone with a story to tell. Features include HD video recording, studio quality sound, chat and footnotes. All running right from your browser so you can record from anywhere without ever installing anything. Check out the links in the show description to find out more. You're going to be lied to because that's the rule. That is a quote from astrophysicist Eric Davis. Welcome to a new show format where a guest is going to join me looking in-depth at a well-known case, event, person, or in this case, a particular document. Often I'm getting messages from folks who are newer to the UFO subject or for some time have kind of dipped in and out and they're looking for more information on certain things that are talked about on social media or on the podcast or on other people's blogs in detail and they're not too sure of the origins or the basics. Recently at US congressional hearings, the Wilson Davis memo was admitted into public record after being brought up in the hearing by Congressman Mike Gallagher, bringing this document back to the forefront of the UFO conversation. Joining me for this inaugural show is former guest and a man who is very well known for his interest and work on the legitimacy of the Wilson Davis memo, especially his fantastic mega blog, which you can find at ufojoe.net and the link for that are in the description. I've got Joe Murgia. Joe, welcome back to the podcast. Andy, thanks so much for having me back. It's been a while. How long has it been? Like a year? At least a year. Uh, Yeah, I think it's been over a year when I look back through the messages. We've always kind of been in touch back and forward anyway, but yeah, this is a long overdue and the time certainly flies. But do you know what? I'm glad this has came up now because the timing's worked out well. Um, I've been wanting to do a show like this for quite a while, get away from the interview format or the news format. It's going to be something a little bit different, and I hope folks enjoy this and, and we can kind of crack on. Uh, Joe, you are very well known for, for the document we're going to be discussing and your work on it. You're a staunch defender of the veracity and the legitimacy of the document. We're going to go into the details and start off with a, a who, what, why, where, and when of the Wilson Davis memo for those who are brand new to the subject uh, and this particular document. And then we'll build up with more information. And on this, neither of us know 100% of the detail, the names, what happened. But I think, Joe, of, of all the people I could could speak to, you're, you're very well placed outside of Admiral Thomas Wilson and Dr. Eric Davis themselves to discuss these documents. So I'm very glad you're joining me for it. Yeah, and, and I'll say that I do not know every detail, every name of what everybody did in the document. People who do know that, Giuliano Marankovic, who when I wrote my mega blog, I could not have written it without him. And Richard Dolan and Mr. X, who was anonymous for his own personal reasons, did a five-hour deep dive, which is on YouTube. So if people want to know every detail, which to me is one of the most important stories potentially in the history of humankind, if we really do have what is talked about in in the documents... They should listen to that. It's a five-hour deep dive, Richard Dolan and Mr. X. I will get those links in the description for folks who want to go ahead and watch those uh, afterwards. Ideally, they listen to us first or watch us first. But I've also got the link, Joe, to your mega blog. And also the documents themselves are all in the description for this show, folks. So please do check those out as well. So let's kick off with the basics, the who, what, why, where, when. The who 
is an Admiral Thomas Wilson and Dr. Eric Davis. The what? The Wilson-Davis memo is a document of the conversation had between these two gentlemen, written down by Eric Davis himself, covering several aspects of the UFO conversation, including, but very much not limited to, crash retrieval programs, alien bodies, remote viewings mentioned in there, cover-ups, special access programs, you name it, it's in there in one sort of explosive document. This happened in Las Vegas, Nevada, on October 16th, 2002, and the why, well, that's something I'm going to get into. First, Joe, I want to ask you, I suppose let's start with the the who. Who are Admiral Thomas Wilson and Dr. Eric Davis? So Admiral Thomas Wilson, in, in 2002, he had just retired as the director of the Defense Intelligence Agency. When he allegedly went looking for this UFO program, he was the vice director of intelligence, the J-2, for the Joint Chiefs of Staff. Um pretty high up trying to, you know, he's briefing other people in the government on intelligence. He should know everything that's going on. Eric Davis is an astrophysicist. And I have a little, just of his resume. He was, he's also an adjunct professor at Baylor University and his research specializations and interests include breakthrough propulsion physics for interstellar flight. Interstellar flight science is a long list and guy's brilliant he was part of NIDS, I think, starting in 96. And NIDS is the National Institute of Discovery Science uh, with Robert Robert Bigelow started it up back in the mid-90s. And Eric Davis had his own sighting back. I think it was 95 he had his own sighting in Arizona. And, and the guy is like a walking encyclopedia on UFOs. Uh, he's spoken about the crash retrieval program in various interviews. And in 2002... He had just been probably like four or five months before he allegedly met the Admiral. He had just been laid off by NIDS. So that's what happened. And then if you want me to get into what supposedly happened in 2002, we can go there next. Yeah. So just just to summarize quickly, you've got Admiral Thomas Wilson, who pretty serious career military guy has worked his way up as in a very lofty position within the intelligence community. You've then got Dr. Eric Davis, who just from his resume, I think if you had to read off his actual full resume, you'd be here for a good hour. This guy is involved in so many different things um, and extremely intelligent, extremely bright, both from very different places, though. It's very chalk and cheese when it comes to these two, two particular characters. Now, they have a meeting which results in this document being produced by Eric Davis, like I said, October 16th, 2002 in Las Vegas, Nevada, which is the, the, the place you reside at the moment. Is that correct? Yeah, I've moved here. I started working here in 2009 and I moved here in 2010. And just so coincidentally, there's three people mentioned in the document. Also, uh, Commander Will Miller, whose letter to Eric Davis and Hal Putoff, it's addressed to Eric Davis. That letter is also in the memo, which we can talk about. I became friends with Will Miller in 2000. Um, I went to his house in 2007. I became friends with Eric Davis in 2018. So coincidentally, I consider, I mean, both of those guys I consider friends and, and they're the two of the three main players in that document. So that's a nice, interesting coincidence. So let, let's talk about first what happened then. What what happened on October 16th, 2002, Admiral Wilson and Eric Davis are, and I was going to say in the back seat of a car. I'm, I don't think they were in the back seat. Uh, they were probably sitting in the front, but why were they both in the same place at the same time having the discussion they were about to have? So 
three years before, and this is speculation. Apparently, Admiral Wilson wanted to talk to somebody about this. And the this is that he stumbled upon a crash retrieval. Not stumbled upon. He found a crash retrieval, a reverse engineering UFO program, uh, which we'll get back to how that happened in 97. And apparently he wanted to talk to somebody about it. He knew somebody, Oak Shannon, who was a physicist who worked at Los Alamos from 1988 to 2000. And before that, apparently they were friends, Oak Shannon and Admiral Wilson. And Oak Shannon also knew Eric Davis because Oak Shannon, this physicist, was part of the John Alexander Advanced Theoretical Advanced Theoretical Physics Project, which ran from around 84 to 89. So John Alexander had a group of like 20 folks who had special, top secret special, uh, top secret SEI clearances who were interested in UFOs, wanted to get to the bottom of it, wanted to find out what the government knew. So they would meet um, at this location. And Oak Shannon was one of the folks who was part of that group. So he knew Eric Davis through that, or I'm not sure if he knew him before, but they knew each other through that. So Oak knew, Oak Shannon knew Admiral Wilson, and he knew Eric Davis. And he said, hey, if you want to talk to somebody about what happened, I know a perfect person. He's not in the government, doesn't have clearances. You can talk to him. Very, very reliable. So that was 1999. It didn't take place till three years later, where finally Wilson said, okay, I'll meet with him. Um, and also the Association of Former Intelligence Officers, those folks vouched for Davis too. Admiral Wilson went and did his own background check on Davis. He was comfortable enough that Davis wasn't go to the media, wasn't going to go to the media. He was going to keep it private. And Wilson felt comfortable doing that. And there are people out there who said, this makes absolutely no sense. Why an admiral will tell this, this he's just going to go to Eric Davis and just start talking to him? Well, it took three years. And he thought about it. If you read the documents, he you know, I thought long and hard. It's not something that you take lightly. This is, you know, he wasn't read into the program, but he's, he's sharing. If you believe this, it's the most important secret in the history of our planet, our country. And he's meeting with Eric Davis based on the word of the, the AF, AFIO. I'm trying to get that right. But Oak Shannon, his friend, is like, this is a guy you can really trust. Um, let me ask, let, let me ask though, t- to what end, because I know what your point is there, but I sort of agree that if I am Admiral Wilson and I have come across this uh, special access program, black budget, whatever people want to call it, and I'm finding out about these potential crash retrieval programs and whatnot, why do I want to go and find someone to speak to about it? Surely there would be people within my own community that I could go and speak to, you know, he's already talking to people like Will Miller and and such. Why is he looking for someone out with that to have that conversation at all? Well, at that point he had lost his trust in Will Miller because Will Miller spoke to other people about their meeting in 1997. And it was a big deal for him. It's like, Oh, it's Navy camaraderie. You don't share this information. Um, But he did. Are you still there, Andy? You look, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. I'm here. Yeah, so, I'm ju- yeah, I'm just fascinated. Yeah, go on. So Will Miller. So that was that was out. He was, according to the documents, he was livid that Will Miller spoke spoke to Stephen Greer afterwards and talked to Mitchell and went to Leslie Kane, which who wrote articles in the year 2000, um, not referencing Miller by name, not referencing Wilson by name, but but if you read the documents, it's pretty obvious it's Admiral Wilson, uh, and he got calls later on. People were making fun of him. Oh, you're interested in UFOs. So Miller was out. 
And he had already been told by the special access, not the, the, the it's called the senior review group because he was turned down. We're, we're skipping ahead, but he was not given access to this program. So he put up a fight and the senior review group, very high up related to the special access program oversight committee. They said, listen, if you keep pursuing this, you're going to not get your promotion to the director of the DIA. You, you're going to lose a star and you're going to get early retirement. So he couldn't go to people that he knew. He had to just shut up. Eric Davis was not in the government. Eric Davis was totally outside of that. And he had Oak Shannon's backing. So apparently he felt comfortable enough to go and speak to Eric Davis. And to none of those end, other folks would find out about it until to, to what, the documents leaked. To what end, though, was he wanting to have that conversation? What did he hope would come of, okay, I've got this guy. Here's a contact. I'm told he's reliable. I've got plenty of people vouching for him. It's Eric Davis. What does he hope to achieve by having that conversation at all? Uh, and I'm speculating here because we don't know that. I'm speculating that. Uh, and this, I think the man I'm trying to think of his name, who I'm, I want to give credit to the person who fr- first brought this up. It was the Australian James Rigney who threw out this theory that Admiral Wilson, wa- you know, he wanted this story out. He couldn't get it out himself. Most, if, if he believed what he was told, that this was a reverse engineering UFO program, he wanted the story out. And maybe if he told Eric Davis, who was interested in this subject, who had that background, he possibly could get to the bottom of this and maybe the story would get out. If you listen to Bob McGuire, a scientist, Bob McGuire says he saw a letter in 2004 or 2005, end of 2004, beginning of 2005, where Wilson was still pursuing this. That was seven years after he first encountered this program. If you believe Bob McGuire that Wilson was still looking into this you know, seven years later, that meant he still wanted to get to the bottom of it, but he couldn't figure out a way to get the story out. I mean, if you really believe that program existed, the whole world should know about it. So in, I'm, I'm speculating he saw Eric Davis as a possibility. If he told the story, maybe Davis and his NIDS folks could get to the bottom of it. If the, Is that why that happened? I don't know. It's speculation. The, the document itself has a lot of incredible claims, a lot of incredible points, but I want to ask, is it commonplace for someone like Eric Davis to document a conversation like that? Because it does read like a script, and I know that's one of the things that is thrown at this document as an accusation, right. is that it's a fake script. And that that is how it reads. It's almost formatted as well, like a script. It's got the initials, the conversation, and... I'd like to also ask, is Eric Davis, you know him personally, known for having an exceptional memory? Because I know if I had an hour-long, two-hour-long conversation, which I do for interviews, I remember about five or six bullet points. Eric Davis seems to have almost an annotated, I think that's the word, word word-for-word playback of the conversation, a very good one at least. So for me, it doesn't read like a script. For me, it reads like, I have so many messages from Eric, just personal messages. And it reads like his messages, except for the formatting, of course. Um, so when I read it, I hear, I hear the way he writes, if that makes any sense. Um, yeah. He has a memory like you would not believe. I've never met anybody with a memory like him. And I'm like, you're a walking encyclopedia. No matter what I ask you, it's like the details he brings up. And he's like, yeah, he goes, Hal, my boss, Hal Putoff said the same thing. And I'm like a walking encyclopedia. As far as him memorizing what happened in that hour and 10 minute meeting. Um, I have reason to believe that it may have been recorded. 
I don't know if that's the case, but I don't know what the word is. I know, I know Gary Nolan, there's a word when somebody has that memory, it's like, it's so off the chart. You could just remember every word that was said. So I don't know. I don't know exactly what happened. If he took notes afterwards, if he took notes during it, if he knows shorthand, if he recorded it. Um, so yeah, not a script. Like I, you know, we can get to it over the last two and a half, three years. I have no doubt that it's a real, you know, it's a real document that describes what happened when they were in that meeting in October 16, 2002. It's not a, it's not a movie script. Um, that was floated by John Greenwald as a possibility. It's not. Uh, Tim McMillan floated the possibility that, yes, it happened, but Admiral Wilson was a fake Admiral Wilson that fooled Eric Davis, which is preposterous. And and I think Tim Tim McMillan knows that. Have no idea why he put that out there. Um, but I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not even going beyond everything in the document is legit. I'm just saying the meeting happened. I believe that a thousand percent. Whether or not there's a crash retrieval program and everything in that document is real. I think we're going to find out, hopefully in my lifetime, definitely in yours, I would hope, because you're younger. Um, but I don't know for sure. I mean, I want to make it clear. I don't know for sure we have a crash retrieval program. I have a strong opinion based on what Eric Davis has said publicly in other interviews, but I want to see it for myself, Andy. Now we have Gallagher entered into the record. That's step one. Gary Nolan says that the, the immunity language for these folks in these programs is 90% complete. So we're making progress. Whether or not we hear about that or it happens in closed sessions with Congress, I don't know. Well, let's not get too far ahead because we will get to the, the congressional okay. side of things and get right up to date. So, so far we know who's involved in terms of the main players and the name of the document itself. And we've touched on the fact that where it happened was in Vegas in a car park. And we know that there are some incredible claims within the document. So you've mentioned crash retrieval programs. What else within the document, Joe, for you stands out as being a wow? Because I think there's quite a lot of them, to be honest. You know, that's that's the main thing. A crash retrieval reverse engineering program. The folks involved believed, you know, it was not made by not made by man, not made by human hands. And they believed that it could fly through air, water, space, and possibly possibly dimensions. It's funny because you read, it talks about how it was so compartmentalized that they couldn't go outside and get access to anybody they wanted to say, hey, help us with this problem on this, you know, and this is not just related to UFOs, any program where it's a very small bigot list, people who are allowed access to the program, they just can't go to their next door neighbor who may know X, Y, and Z and say, hey, I got this problem. Could you help me figure it out? No, they have to be read into the program. They have to have a need to know. So it talks about how the program just, just grinded to a halt as far as progress. And then you hear Eric Davis in his interviews, he says the same exact thing. He repeats a lot of what is in this document in his interviews about crash retrievals. So, and they mentioned bodies, but bodies is not a big part of this discussion in here. Um, the big, the big part of it is how he, how he went searching, how, how Wilson went searching, how he found out who he spoke to and how he went out to the program and how they said, and people are like, why would that program, it's so secretive. Why would they tell him? Why would they tell him the truth that this is a reverse engineering? Why would they just, why wouldn't they just lie to him? Maybe they did lie to him. Maybe it was something else. And my speculation is he had a pretty high par part in the government, you know, the vice director of intelligence, they were found out by him. They had had a problem in the past where somebody found them and they were audited. 
And that was a big problem and it concerned them. So maybe they wanted to get rid of Wilson. They said, well, tell him, we'll tell him what we are. We're not going to give him access. Hopefully this will make him go away. Um, so, but like I said, that's speculation on my part. Uh, there was a, there was a, a, there was an attorney. He met with the program security, head of security and the program manager. The program manager is who told him, you know, the details about the program. And they said, you know, it's not a, it's not a foreign technology reverse engineering. It's nothing like that. And that's when they said, you know, not made by human hands. When I read, um, Admiral Wilson's discussion of how he went about trying to find out about these programs. The, the person that sprung to mind was Tom DeLong, who talked about knocking on doors, various different stovepipes. Now, Tom DeLong didn't have the clearance at all that an Admiral Wilson would have had, but Tom DeLong somehow managed to still meet the right people and along the way get that group together that eventually included the people that we, we kind of know from To The Stars Academy and others. Um, do you think an Admiral Wilson is someone that Tom DeLong maybe, not to, to get too off topic, but spoke to along the way? I don't know if he spoke to Wilson, um, but what you talk about, and I'm not saying DeLong was able to do this, but Eric Davison, in one of his interviews, which is on my blog, he talks about how you get information, how people, certain people are read into the program. He goes, you don't necessarily have to be read into a program to get information about it. Um, he says, like, if you're working with folks, and they find out you worked on UFOs and they're like, oh, I worked on UFO too, UFOs too. Here's what I can tell you to a point. You don't have the need to know, but I could tell you X, Y, and Z. The rest, I cannot tell you unless you get proper clearance and you get read into the program. I think Eric Davis, at least since 2002, was working on speaking with people in these programs. And he's accused people are like, I think people like Brian Bender say, it's all hearsay. It's all people telling Eric Davis X, Y, and Z. Maybe that's the case. I don't know exactly what Eric Davis uncovered since 2002. It's been, it's been 20 years, but he uncovered enough to be brought in from front of Congress and Christopher Mellon confirmed this. And he spoke about this and he gave them enough information to go looking for what he, for what he claims. And Mellon was like, he needs, it needs to be taken seriously. And that's now we have, you know, we have crash retrieval language in the NDAA. So it is being taken seriously. Whether or not that's really there, whether or not it's a UFO, not from this earth or not made by human hands, hopefully we'll find out. And I might have just totally ignored your question if I got no, off not, on a, not at all. On a tangent. You've brought up a point I was going to bring up as one of kind of four here. Now, within the document, Wilson vents his frustration at Commander Will Miller speaking to other people about things that he feels that he shouldn't have been talking about. But isn't that just the nature of not only the UFO subject, but just human nature in general, that even when it comes to security clearances and important information like this, it's just what happens that there's a there's an urge to have that discussion. And I suppose that the biggest example we have currently is, is Lou Elizondo, who has gone further and further and further in, in what he will and what he can say. Even things like when he talks about, you know, I won't tell you what I know, but, you know, he would feel somber. That that's there's a tease there and there's an assumed knowledge because when Lou says that, people like you, people like me and, and anyone listening to this, you start to use your imagination, don't you, as to, well, what would make him feel somber? Is it just an overwhelming feeling? Is it the fact that he knows something that's really dangerous or scary? And you start to have your mind go into overdrive. So the, the human nature with these conversations, even with really high-ranking individuals like, like Commander Will Miller, and to be fair... In the document, he he says he uh, Admiral Wilson felt Miller had kind of betrayed that trust and having that conversation, and 
but is 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 Wilson not doing something relatively similar? Speaking to Eric Davis about this as well. I don't think so. Um, I mean, I think I don't know exactly what was said between Miller and Wilson. You know, after that meeting, but. I'm glad Will Miller spoke up. Of course, I'm glad Stephen Greer spoke up. I mean, who cares? I'm who cares about camaraderie when you're talking about something that, if it's true, it's the biggest story in you know in mankind's history. So screw camaraderie. Um, I don't know if Miller st- if Wilson still feels that way. I don't know if he really wants to get this information out. I mean, if you listen to his interviews where he denies everything. It make it's given me pause over the years, even whether or not this was legitimate or not. Um, and that was even recent. He gave he gave a total denial, which we can get into some of his denials. Which some of them I think are are pretty obvious if you're open minded that he's lying about one specific point related to Oak Shannon. Sorry, Oak Shannon. And um, but yeah, I mean, when I met Will Miller in 2007, he I remember him specifically telling me he's a pacifist. He's not your normal military guy. You talk to other guys in the world of DOD intel. They're all about patriotism, keeping the secret. Will Miller wants this story out there and he can do as much as he can to get it out. He's not doing UFOs anymore. He's retired. But he like he'll talk about he thinks we have this technology. Other people I've spoken to have said, no, no, we don't have this technology. If we do have this technology, Miller thinks it should benefit mankind. So he's talking about it, which I love about him. Whether or not we really have the technology is another another discussion. I don't know. It's funny, Andy. If I say I think we have the technology, people come down on me so hard. They're like, so you think the last 70 years is our technology? I'm like, I didn't say that. I think some of what we see may be our technology. And Will Miller is one of the few people who's willing to openly talk about that. He says in my interview with him that he thinks we have a craft that can go anywhere, any place, any time in the universe. So if that's true, that's a bigger secret than if we have a non-human craft in possession, if we have that technology. So uh, once again, I'm off on a tangent, but uh, I, I think that I don't think it's the same thing because I don't think, you know, there was no agreement when when Miller spoke to those folks in the program, they didn't say, We'll tell you this, but you can't tell anybody. I mean, he's the guy, the Joint Chiefs. He's the, the Vice Director of Intelligence. Who are they to tell him anything? So he was able to, you know, on his behalf, talk to, he spoke to Eric Davis. Uh, he didn't make a vow to anybody else, but in his mind, Wilson betrayed him. Like I said, I'm glad it happened. Um, and hopefully we we can talk about Oak Shannon because, and, and the denial. We got to talk about the denial because Wilson's yeah. denials are really good. Before we get to that, a few other things I wanted to mention that were in the body of the... It's quite a long document. I think, is it 16, 17 it's pages? 15 pages plus 15. Two, the two-page two letter, uh, two letter from Will Miller. Yeah, and again, the link, please go and check it out, folks. It is really interesting reading, but a few things I've picked out just to discuss is that uh, personnel such as Admiral Wilson have allegedly seen documents and information on foreign governments, on incidents, cases, programs, and such. Why don't we hear more about these in terms of leaks? Surely people like Wilson and others, they're not NDA'd when it comes to other governments' information. Why doesn't more of that come out? You know, if someone from the US knows some of the Russians' info, is that not something you think would come out more readily and be more widely discussed? You would think a lot of this information would come out. I mean, that's one of the arguments the skeptics make. You think 70 years, we haven't even... We don't even have one solid UFO video that shows 90 degree turns, not one. So, you know, I'm like, I, I understand on that, that. On that, Joe, that, do you know what the thing is? And I'm not saying that that's incorrect, but 
in this day and age, you know, when CGI is so good, I think there's there's two ways you look at any video. One, the quality's not good enough, and that includes things like Gimbal Go Fast or any kind of grainy, famous like Phoenix Lights footage and such. You look at it and go, it's it doesn't show you clearly enough what's happening. But the other side of the coin now, especially in 2022, if it looks too good, you just instantly think, well, it must be CGI. Me too. And you, myself, anyone listening to this, unless there's some really high up people listening to it, we have never seen what we could see as a genuine UFO video and that HD quality performing incredible maneuvers. So we don't know that there's not some stuff out there online that actually is genuine. And we're quite happy to claim it must be CGI because what is good. And again, if, if, if that, you know, infamous black triangle video got released and we saw this thing rising out of the ocean, being filmed by some kind of pilot's phone or gun system, whatever it might be in brilliant 4k, would people still look at it and go, no, nah, that's fake. That's not real. Because I think people, what is real? People would. And, and you know, when I say there's no footage that shows 90-degree turns, I'm talking specifically about military footage. I mean, I know there's private footage that's interesting. It's so hard. I mean, I'm not a video analyst, so it's hard for me to tell if something is real. I usually err on the side of, as you said, you know, probably fake if it's too good to be real, uh, too good to be true. Um, Will Miller said something really interesting about why we don't find out more information. He'd say, he said, um, he said, yeah, he goes, I'd opine that there are probably multiple control groups, each one covering certain aspects of the UFO ETI issue. That is one probably covering crash retrievals and analysis, another, another covering collecting and analyzing reports of encounters, another related to overall oversight. That's just within DOD. Additionally, there are a limited number of DOD contractors who even have the technological capability to work this issue to include analysis security. And later on, he says, he goes, they do whatever they can to make sure we do not have access to that. That could explain why we don't see anything of note as far as government evidence wise. I mean, we do have government documents, but Andy, I'm I'm accused of being a believer, but I'm skeptical enough where I want to eventually Hopefully within the maybe next Christmas, a year and a half, we see a military video with the proper, you know, documentation and providence where this is real and it's doing something. We're like, oh, my God. Unlike, like you said, the three videos, which are great and they got the conversation started. But that's not what we want to see. We all know we want what we want to see. And I think because we know pretty much that there's so much better out there and we've got the the worst of the stuff that they could get out it's i've always said the videos are are boring enough to those in the know and those who deal with those kind of classifications to allow them to be released so it's that that's what we kind of got with those um another point that i thought was really interesting as well miller in that letter to eric davis that you talked about he mentions among other things that he can provide to eric davis the name of someone who had first-hand knowledge of the u.s government's reproduced alien vehicles held at Area 51 and other locales around the country. That's a big wow for me and a huge standout. And I wonder, to your knowledge and your conversations over the years, did that ever go any any further? And was there any idea or speculation on who those individual or that individual might be? I don't know anything else about that. But, and, you know, I remember when Stephen Greer used to talk about that and he was obviously getting it from Will Miller and I don't know whoever else. You know, Will Miller worked as the, military advisor for CSETI until he broke away and left. Um, One interesting thing Miller said on that front is he said he knew somebody 
who was working at Area 51. And on his last day, he said, hey, Will, you know, when you see those craft making those 90 degree turns and you, you thinking it's extraterrestrial, he goes, well, it's not. And the guy just walked away. So, I mean, that's not evidence of anything, but that's I'm not sure what knowledge Will Miller has that he hasn't shared. Like in that letter to Davis, he's like, I'm not going to provide anything top secret. I don't have those clearances anymore. I used to. Um, so I'm not sure what he was privy to and why he has come to that conclusion that we have that technology. But yeah, it stood out for me too. If we have alien reproduction vehicles that can mimic the technology, that's that's a gigantic story. I haven't heard that from any of my other sources. We've heard other people speculate about it. But bring Will Miller in front of Congress, even if it's closed doors, ask him what he knows. You know, I'm sure he's willing to speak. He's got to be on their list. If they have a list of people to speak with, he's got to be on that list. And something else I thought that it just shows the breadth of discussion within this document. And it's again from the letter is the point that UFOs are real. So-called alien abductions are not real. Again, that they're going into abductions, like I say, even if it's just mentioned remote viewing, crash retrievals, all that kind of stuff. But abductions are a, a very sensitive subject to a lot of people because it covers a lot of ground, which... I don't mean this to upset anyone, but there's very little real hard evidence for outside of someone having their own experiences, which I, I can tell you about my sighting that happened, big Ferris wheel type UFO, blah, blah, blah. I've talked about it many times. I can't prove that to you in the same way that someone having years and years of abductions, as horrible as those may be, whether physical, non-physical, I can't say they're definitely happening or not. But in this document, it's claimed that those don't happen. What, what are your thoughts on that and why that was brought up that upset so many people and it's funny because so i i I pulled it up on on the document it says um so jacques gonsler was the new undersecretary of defense for acquisition and technology started in december of 97 and gonsler said i'm trying to see if he was part of the bigot list people who were read in um anyway so it's jacques gonsler who said to wilson that so Gonsler knew about the crash retrieval program, but he also said he said UFOs are real, so-called alien abductions not real. Um, so that's Gonsler. So I, I don't know, I don't know if Wilson believes that. I don't know. I, I know Der- Eric Davis has made the argument. He's mentioned the, there are certain colleagues of mine think it's you know it's not not being carried out by non-humans. I don't know. I mean, I know that upset a lot of people. And I'm like, well, first of all, Davis didn't say that. And Wilson didn't say that. Jacques Gonsler said that. And it's just a, it's just an aside. It, there's no evidence for any of that. I know, I know Jacques Vallée has mentioned, has hinted. I'm not exactly sure what Vallée said about that, but he's talked about black programs and um, Richard Doty, you know, the lightning rod has mentioned that some mm. abductions may be carried out by military, but there's nothing else on that. So Imagine that story, though. Imagine, and I know it, it upsets people, like you said. But if, if if there was some black program that was involved in all of those abductions, do I think that's the case? I don't. But it's just an opinion, and we don't have the hard evidence. So um, it's definitely something to keep in mind as a possibility for maybe some abductions. But then you have my yeah. labs. You go down that road. There are people who think that's totally outrageous. There's no way the government would be keeping tabs on abductees. The government knows nothing about abductees. So. Yeah, I don't know. It's um, you know, it's a conversation that has like a million branches coming off it because you've got them real or not real. Then you've got them: are they physical or non-physical? Then you've got the idea that they're human, they're non-human, right? 
and, and even if the fact that, that someone within the government said, look, we know abductions, you know, don't happen, well, you would have to know every other potential species out there and whether or not they are definitely coming here or not to again whether or not that is happening so that could just be someone not being correct but it it was an interesting point i don't know where ganslow got that information from i don't know who told him it would be nice to ask him i would like to know where did you get that from so yeah there's really not much more he could say about it and and even if you find that out it's just another conversation starter isn't it it would only give you another 10 questions to ask but let's move on how this conversation then actually got out to the public so this happened in 2002 was there much discussion in the ufo community we're talking about a time when the internet was in its infancy message boards were really starting up you still got newsletters it was a time of vhs dvds were coming into play but we didn't have the kind of social media that we have now was there ever rumours of a document like this floating out there or any parts of it being available in the public domain? No. And I'm trying to think if Richard Dolan said he was shown two pages of the of the Wilson Davis document in 2006. Yeah. I know he did lectures on it. I'm not sure if he mentioned during those lectures if he had seen those two pages, but Richard was nice enough to tell me who showed him those two pages in 2006. And if people knew, it would change minds about the validity of the document. Um, and I'll, uh, people get frustrated. I'm just, I'm just adding, that was part of my process of coming to the realization that was, this was legitimate. And it was the entire time, Andy. I mean, I was up and down. You can ask Giuliano. I was like, you know what? I believe this happened. And then I would I would see a denial from Admiral Wilson. I'm like, maybe it didn't happen. Listen to this denial. It's so good. It's so thorough. I mean, I went up and down a lot. And then just overall, I finally came to the conclusion, in my opinion, it, the, the meeting happened. And then last year, I had two fantastic sources confirmed to me, people who were in a position to know. And it's like, just out of the blue, I was like, that's great. I already had my opinion that it was legit. This is just over the top. Thank you very much. Um, so I don't think it was really spoken about that it was out there. I, I had never heard about it. I mean, I, I knew about the original meeting in 97 because I heard it on Coast to Coast in May of 97. I was listening live um, when when Greer went on with Art Bell. And he mentioned, he goes, I, I gave a briefing to this Joint Chiefs fella. And I was like, I'm listening. I'm like, that's a pretty big deal if that's true. Um and I was given a chance to ask Miller about that in 2007. And then I was with a friend of mine who was not into UFOs. And I'm, I kicked myself at the time. I'm like, I never got to ask Will about it. But I did ask him about Greer. And I was like expecting for him to say, you know, Greer says a lot of things that don't happen. He never, he never bad-mouthed Greer whatsoever. He did break away from Greer. So make of that what you will. Um, so yeah, the meeting was out there in 97 when Wilson met with Greer, Mitchell, Miller, um, Greer's assistant and another Roswell era, alleged uh, Roswell era witness, but nothing about the documents in 2002. I had not heard anything about it until April of 2019, where Giuliano Marankovic said, guess what I got, guys, check this out. And I read it and I immediately flashed back to, to 1997 when I first heard Greer talk about it. So how how did that conversation get out to the masses then in 2019? I believe it was leaked through the estate of former astronaut Edgar Mitchell. Is that correct? Yeah, he died in 2016 and his family was going to throw out all of his UFO-related documents, anything related to UFOs. And then 
I'm not exactly sure of the person who went over there to save everything, but there's a man in Australia that Ross Coulthard has spoken about called the Spaceman. He became he became he came into possession of all of Edgar Mitchell's UFO-related and space-related memorabilia um, collection, and then James Rigney got a copy of the Wilson Davis. He's an Australian, and the Wilson Davis notes. He met up with Grant Cameron in. 2018 at a conference, Grant Cameron was about to leave and James Rigney said, Hey, I got something. You got two minutes. I got to show you something. And Cameron's like, I'm going to, I got to leave. I got to leave. He goes, just two minutes. And Grant Cameron looked at it, saw Oak Shannon's name and right away knew, all right, this is legitimate. Um, how they got onto the internet. I do. I don't know who else. I know one person who knows this. I do know. I do know who put them on Imgur. I can't say who it is, but I'm supposed to talk to that person this week. Um, I think it's just an interesting part of the story. It's not going to give us any insight into whether it's you know legitimate or not, but it's just a part of the story. Um, so that's how it happened. If Eric, if Edgar Mitchell doesn't die, or if his family just throws out all of his papers, we're not here talking about this right now. He died. You know, the documents came out. I mean, Eric Davis has he, he gave me a quote for my Wilson Davis blog, which he knew I was working on talking about how they leaked from the Edgar Mitchell estate. So that right there, he said they leaked from the Edgar Mitchell estate. We could talk about also, he 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 also sought out some legal advice from a friend, co-worker on what he should or shouldn't say about purportedly classified documents. But yeah, Edgar Mitchell, unfortunately he died, but because of it, that's how we got the Wilson Davis documents. Yeah, and again, as, as sad as that is, people commonly bring up that when someone passes away and we could even use like a, a Senator Harry Reid that there are rumoured deathbed videos. Why don't you think we get more from people who are of that generation now who are are passing away sadly in their, their 70s, their 80s, their 90s, you know, long may they live and, 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 and help out in the subject or enjoy their life. But why don't we get more of these folks laying stuff out there on video and then saying, do you know what, when I pass, get this information out there because if they really want out there, that is something they could do. Because it's all fake and there's nothing to it. That's the skeptical side. Um, Because you would think, you would think, I mean, I was going to say something about a deathbed confession. Um, Yeah, you don't, we don't have anything. I mean, we had, a, we've had alleged deathbed confessions. People are sick. You had Ross Coltart talking about um, Nat Colbitz, I'm not saying his name right, but he, he was dying of cancer and he told Ross yeah. that he was read into the program, although he actually never saw any craft. Um, so deathbed confessions, you would think, yeah, you would think there would be a ton of them. These folks would say, listen, I don't care what my security oath is. This is such a big story I need to tell. Maybe they don't have firsthand knowledge. Not a lot of people have firsthand knowledge of this, but it's a great question, and it, it is a good question for skeptics to bring up because there's really not there's not a lot out there. Um, I'm trying to think, you know, and not please don't take this the wrong way. Hal Putoff's getting older. Whatever Hal knows, I hope he gets it out. I hope he gets it out. Whatever information he has, and I hope Hal is around for another 10, 15 years. I think he's in his 80s. As far as um, Senator Reid, that's what I wanted to say. Yeah, there was rumors. People are like, oh, supposedly he made this – this video, it is going to tell all in the video. And 
No. As yeah, far the, as I, the, I, the rumor was Nap had a copy. George Nap had a copy of it, and it was to be released upon his death. Nonsense. I suppose one very sensible argument to deathbed deathbed confessions would be as morbid as they are and, and morally questionable. That these people tend to leave behind families, and they wouldn't want to leave anything that. You know, it'd be very easy for a government official or, you know, private contractor to say, you know, we know what you know. And if this gets out, we'll make life difficult for your family, you know. And that doesn't have to be, you know, we'll, we'll turn up and, you know, kill them. Yeah, it can be like jobs and, you know, they'll lose their job, they'll lose their house. You know, we can make things difficult. And in that case, you're like, well, is that the legacy I want to leave for, for my family? So that's 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 a potential reason. Um, it's, but yeah. It's funny you brought up, you bring up family members. Just real quick, uh, Kevin Randall's new book about Roswell, he talks about bodies and the evidence for bodies. And a lot of the evidence is family members who were told from their family member, yes, I I, I saw the bodies and there was also firsthand witnesses, but we don't have a body. So those are great stories. It's great. It's interesting. Crash retrievals, but we don't have the evidence yet. So I, I'm still on that boat where I, I really want to see it for myself. And Joe, I've said regarding Roswell, I love the case. I think it's the case that 90% of us get involved in the UFO subject as a child, hearing about Roswell, and you, and it was a one easy one to find out about. Uh, maybe newer generations are finding out about Nimitz and all that kind of stuff first, but Roswell, it's like the, the grandchildren of the people involved are now passed on, so whenever you hear about people calling for the congressional hearings, you know, get let's get Roswell out there, and you're like, well, who? Because even the people who covered up the cover-up aren't alive anymore so right. who your, your people who take took over projects or programs or stovepipes that branched off and branched off and branched off probably have a knowledge but they weren't involved they just know of something that happened because they took over something three generations down the line so it's one of those that roswell was a fantastic and part of lore and always will be but there's only so much you can do. There comes a point where like you say it's it's someone's grandkids grandkid who's writing books now on it and you know yeah, it happens in this subject. People can take advantage of things, especially the further on they go. But I, w- I won't go into that too much. Yeah, it's it's frustrating. Um, you would think, you know, I've been at this since '96, and I don't usually get frustrated, but I am starting to get to that point a little bit. Um, and Eric Davis, I, I tweeted out some stuff today. Eric Davis, no doubt, um, Rod, he believes Roswell was legitimate. You know, um, he had access. You know, John Alexander said it was a weather balloon. He's like, well, uh, and he also thought. Uh, Alexander thought Corso was telling a little some fibs and and Davis is like, I had access to information John Alexander did not have access to. And then we have Lou Elizondo talking about it. Is Lou just making it up? Is it all a cover? That's the skeptical side. Is it all a cover for our technology? That's the psyop. Everything we've heard for the last 70 years is really just a cover up for human technology. And I am open-minded to every possibility. I don't think that's the case, but it's time, Andy. It's time. Put up or shut up. We have Congress involved. It should not take five more years for us to see some of this evidence. So just a little little frustrated at this point. But as we record this, uh, I had to put back my interview with John Alexander, and that is now tomorrow night as we speak. So that is something that is getting brought up with, with Mr. Alexander himself. You could also say in the Wilson Davis documents, Oak Shannon, in parenthesis, it says J.A. is a liar which we think that's John Alexander. You have anything to say about that? Um, and, and then you have all the MyLab stuff that people are bringing up, how John Alexander is being seen in these MyLab abductions. Um, John Alexander is another lightning rod. There are people that don't like him. There are people who – I know people who are like, he's the sweetest man. The guy's amazing. I, I'm, I'm, in, I'm in the middle. I don't I, – I, you know, I've spoken to him. I've asked him questions when ATIP came out. I'm like, why did you say before ATIP came out? You said there were no government UFO programs. He's like – 
I didn't know about it. I'm like, well, now I'm looking, OSAP came out later. You didn't know about OSAP? Of course you did. Um, but maybe he just wasn't allowed to speak about it. So he had to lie. I mean, which I understand. If, you know, if you're asked point blank about something you can't talk about, it, it's kind of hard to get around it by, without lying. It's like, otherwise you give away. It's like, well, I really can't talk about that. That would that that answer would give away that there is something there. So he might have been in a bad position there. Um, so, and and the document itself, it, you, we've mentioned a lot of names uh, and some of the background. But just to run through them, if there's any that stand out to you as people of real importance, I, I'd like you just to shout out. Um, so Oak Shannon is someone you've mentioned several times. What was Oak Shannon's background again? You, you cannot talk about the document and whether or not this really happened without mentioning Oak Shannon. So he was a physicist. Um, he worked at Los Alamos from '88 to 2000. Before that. In the documents, uh, Wilson says they had a, you know, they were in the Navy together, close. Um, he trusted Oak Shannon to set up this interview with Davis. He trusted his word. Uh, they go way back in the Navy, if you believe the documents. And I would think an investigative reporter with the proper funding and the proper resources can look back into that and find pictures of them or something because Admiral Wilson now says, I don't know the guy. It's like, I forget the exact word. And he said, um, totally unknown to me. So now Wilson is saying Oak Shannon is totally unknown to him. Oak Shannon, who Billy Cox has interviewed multiple times, has said, I know both Eric Davis. This was a few years ago. He goes, I know both Eric Davis and I know Admiral Wilson. If this has caused Admiral Wilson any embarrassment, I apologize. Um, and then he followed up by saying, yes, I." he was told, well, Admiral Wilson says he doesn't know you. And Oak Shannon, you could tell he doesn't want to lie. He doesn't want to contradict Admiral Wilson. He's like, I'm not going to contradict him. I'll just say, I know Tom Wilson. He goes, well, I knew Tom Wilson. We'll put it that way. And maybe I'm just a face or person that you forget easily. He's, he's, he's letting Wilson off the hook. It's obvious they knew each other. And, and, and I don't understand why somebody who has the resources hasn't gone and checked those records. I don't know how to do that. I've looked on Google, which has been... I find pictures of Oak Shannon. I'm like, please let me find Oak Shannon and Tom Wilson together. I have not found that. But I think somebody on a national level can do that, you know, and find that. And I and I did. I've spoken about this on Twitter and I did put I, I put in my own FOIA with the National National Nuclear Security Agency, um, where they sponsored the trip from Wilson for Wilson to go to Vegas. And I, I spoke to them. I'm like, I want to get records, anything of him being in Vegas. And the ladies who was so nice from the FOIA department, she goes, most likely we're not going to have anything from back then. And we're not going to keep records from then. You can look. She goes, we'll try. And she tried and she said, we got nothing. Um, there's got to be something though, Andy. There's got to be something. If he came on that trip, it was a retirement trip, according to the notes, saying goodbye, tying up some loose ends. There's got to be something there. Maybe there's a picture somewhere here in Vegas. I, I need to go visit some museum and like, oh my God, there's a picture of Wilson and Oak. I mean, Wilson at, you know, in 2002 in Vegas, because he says he hasn't been to Vegas since 1979. He goes, I don't know how I can prove it, but I haven't been to Vegas since 79. I don't know Eric Davis. I wouldn't recognize him if he walked in. So it's like this just denial after denial. But then the Oak Shannon denial is problematic. And even Billy Cox noticed it when he wrote about it, because Oak Shannon is a very biblical religious man. I don't think he's going to make up a, a relationship with Tom Wilson. It's, it's a shame there was no Facebook back then and we could just go back and see oh, I know. Wilson checked in in Vegas 2002, October 16th. And I looked at it, so many. I looked at that. I looked on Facebook to see if there was any. Let's see. Let's see if Oak Shannon is friends with Tom Wilson. I looked for the heck of it, but I did not find that. Um, 
and I wrote to Oak Shannon. Um, he did not write back, but yeah, I helped a little out. I helped Billy out a little bit on that. And he got a hold of Oak Shannon and, and asked him again, you sure you know, you sure you know Tom Wilson? He's like, I know Tom Wilson. Tom, it's like I said, that's a big part of the story. If you, if you really think that Oak Shannon is lying about that, I, I just don't know. I don't know what to tell people. A very well-known name that appears multiple times in the document, and you have mentioned multiple times here as well, we have to discuss is, is Dr. Stephen Greer. Now, I, I've said before on the podcast, and to be fair, in the last couple of months, we've had a whole influx of new listeners and viewers. So hello if you're if you're newer to the podcast, especially off the back of the Jeremy Corbell and, and Luella Zondo interviews the last couple of months. Um, I, I've said before, for the record, like Stephen Greer, and it's just my opinion, you know, make up your own mind as with any of this subject, please. But I think he came into this subject back in in those early years with the best of intentions and and with a good network with good contacts and as we know from this document as well he did brief people at a high level on on various different aspects of the ufo subject or at least was involved i think things changed as time went on for stephen greer and maybe that was the, the the monetary side of it maybe his views got a little bit mixed with a few different notions and who knows I just think that the Stephen Greer and his intent now is very different to what it would have been back then. That's that's my opinion, just for, for anyone curious. And it, I get Stephen Greer has a lot of fans out there. Um, for you, what was Stephen Greer's part in all of this? Because like you say, his name comes up within the document itself. I agree. I mean, I feel the same way about Greer. Um, did wonderful things in 2000 when he had the Disclosure Project witnesses come in. Uh, there were some there's some questionable witnesses in there. And Eric Davis has spoken about that in some interviews. He called it the shotgun approach, you know, just collect as much as you can witness wise. There were some witnesses that were not great. He goes, but there were some in there that were really good related to crash retrievals. He wouldn't go into specifics. Eric Davis wouldn't as far as who that was. Um, And then I don't know how it happened, but Dr. Stephen Greer was able to get Will Miller as his military advisor. And Will Miller is just amazing. He's like, uh, what, Leslie Kane, in her book, she called him a true insider of the highest order. I think that's exactly what she said. And so, 97, he's his military advisor. Actually, 95, this is something a lot of people don't know. Will Miller writes a letter to Admiral Wilson in 1995 saying, hey, you know, Miller had been briefing people his entire career about UFOs because Miller had an experience in 1970 in Vietnam where a USO one underneath his destroyer. So it, and his, his father and grandfather were involved in the space program, but his encounter in Vietnam in the Gulf of Tonkin, that sparked his interest. So he was very well versed, very well versed in the subject. And he would brief higher ups in the Pentagon, the government and the military. So he wrote to Tom Wilson, who he knew, I forget exactly how they, how they knew each other. I think they served together in the Atlantic command. I'm not sure about that, but they did know each other. He wrote a letter. Hey, I, I, I'm giving briefings, blah, blah, blah. Stephen Greer would be the point person. Uh, I met Edgar Mitchell recently and another astronaut, Brian O'Leary. He goes, I would love to set up a briefing at your convenience. And by the way, I'm including some recipes for Mrs. Wilson. So yeah, they knew each other. So that was 95. The meeting doesn't happen. The briefing doesn't happen until 97, two years later. So it's Stephen Greer, Will Miller, Edgar Mitchell, the six men who walked on the moon, Sherry Damiak, who's Greer's assistant, and then Lufkin, Stephen Lufkin, who's a alleged Roswell-era witness. They go in. Wilson, there are other people there, but Wilson, so they, they sit down and they talk to him, and Greer is there. And 
I was told Greer really didn't need to be there, um, but Greer was there. Um, it could have taken place without him. And Greer claims that he had this document, an NRO document that had code names. And um, he sent it ahead before the meeting and said, here, this is how you can get access to some of these programs. Here you go. And Greer claims that was the impetus for all of this. And, and Wilson used it to go searching for this special access program. But if you look at the Wilson Davis notes, and John Greenwald did a great video on the NRO, and it may be fake. I'm not sure. There are some people who still totally defend that document. I don't know. I don't. For me, I don't care because I never made a big deal about it. If you read the Wilson Davis documents, there's not one mention of the NRO document. So whatever, maybe Wilson told him, yeah, yeah, we used it. Maybe he was just placating Greer. I don't know, but it's not in the documents. So they have the meeting. They leave. Supposedly there was a two-hour private meeting between Miller and Wilson. Uh, Miller denied that to me, but there is a confidential list of all of the briefings that Miller gave that Leslie Kane has a copy of, somebody else has a copy of. So if that did happen, whenever those confidential, you know, Leslie Kane, if she ever decides to let it out, which she probably wouldn't because it's confidential, there is a record of all of his briefings of folks he's briefed in the Pentagon. They, they also briefed in early December, I'm not sure if it's early 2008, but they also briefed Wilson's boss, Patrick Hughes, who was the director of the DIA at the time. So they briefed him at his... He wanted an expedited briefing because he had somebody in his family had an experience. I have suspicions about what happened, and it may have been something negative related to his family, but I have not been able to confirm that. Like hitchhiker type event or? No, it's like whatever happened may have caused. May, this is I'm, I don't remember the details. It may have caused suicide of his father. And, and please don't quote me on that, folks. But there was something negative. Anyway, Hughes wanted the, the briefing expedited for because his family was having personal experiences. I don't know what happened. And don't, like I said, I, I may be wrong about that. I'm pretty sure Greer mentions it in one of his documentaries. And then he cries. And people make fun of him for crying. But I think it might be related to Patrick Hughes and his family. I'm not sure. Um, so he got briefed too. And, and, and Patrick Hughes is like, I've asked about UFOs and I'm not told anything. He goes, here's a doll of an ET. This is what I'm told. They don't want to tell me anything. And Miller is like, that's how it is. They give them plausible deniability. They will not brief those higher ups. That's why when, you know, people make an example of, uh, you know, Lou Alizano talks about Senator, uh, Secretary of Defense Mattis, you know, they never let him get briefed probably because that's plausible deniability. So if, if Mattis is ever asked on the earth, what, can, what do you know about UFOs? He could honestly tell the truth and say, I don't know. That's just the norm um, to protect those people. So they brief 97, April of 97. Those folks brief Miller, uh, brief Wilson. And then Wilson goes searching. It takes him two months to find this crash retrieval reverse engineering program. He calls them on the phone goes down for a meeting, and then the rest of it, as we said, they told him, sorry, sir, I know what your position is, but you do not have a need to know. Um, and Greer has, Greer has spoken about this spoken about this over the years. Important player in all of this, but the whole NRO document, how much of a role, if any, it played. Like I said, last year I was told it played zero role. I did not know that when I wrote the document. So people criticize me. They're like, well, you mentioned it. You, know, you haven't updated your blog. No, I haven't updated my blog, but... <laughs> Like I said, last year, the source who I trust said, no, that NRO document, it's, it's such a red herring, Andy. It doesn't matter. Read the notes. There's nothing about the NRO in there. Nothing about that document. Who cares? You know? Um, and also, 
people are like, why are you spending so much time on the documents when we're the most important story is whether or not there's a crash retrieval retrieval program? Who cares about Wilson and Davis? Who cares? That's, that's, that's going to be a, a buy. You know, it's going to be if we get at, if we if we get any any evidence that there's a crash retrieval program, people are not going to want to talk to Wilson. Who cares? He was denied access. Great. But for me, I spent so much time on it. And the human side of me does want to say, I told you. You know, because the, the denials are so ridiculous. I understand being people being skeptical, but for me, looking at all the evidence, even taking out my sources I've spoken to, I think it's obvious the meeting happened. Um, but hopefully a year from now, we're like, who cares? Look at this. There's a crash retrieval program. I don't care if Admiral Wilson was turned down. I mean, it does tell you about how there's no oversight with these programs, if this is true, and that's a problem. But the story is the crash retrieval program, not the documents. Let me ask it in the time since you've written your your mega blog, you know, mega pint. So word in the lexicon now. You had a mega blog before the mega pint was a thing. The mega Are what? The, the mega pint. You know, Johnny Depp's made the mega pint famous. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, you've got the mega blog. Uh, Are there any aspects of the document that you think now or at the time potentially contains false information for for any particular reason? Because it doesn't really scare me.